Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Hello, everybody from Texas and those who listen not from Texas. Hey, like what's my, up? Like my parents. <laughs> yeah. We are in the middle of a tornado watch, and yet we're that committed to this podcast that we decided to come in here risking our life. Courageous. I drove from far away. You drove from the University of Dallas 15 <laughs> minutes down the road. My, uh, one of our roommates, not Nikki and not my children, the other roommate, Daniel, who lives with us. So we have another person who lives upstairs. He was like expecting to wake up and be like, oh, there's a tornado. Like he thought that's an exciting thing. And I was like, Daniel. Remember the time where tornadoes like devastate things and hurt people? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it just would have been cool to see one. I'm like, get out of here, California. Come on. <laughs> he's originally from California, but he's I, marrying a Texan. He's going to be from Texas. So shout yeah. out Nicole Richards. She's in the studio today taking some photos, some promo shots for us. No. In the studio. <laughs> in the studio. In the studio. That all sounded so official. I, I know, and you had to ruin it. Go and make it a oh, joke of our sorry. studio. Come on. <laughs> so we're uh, before we get in, we're, uh, what, five games into the World Series. Have you been watching any? Uh, yeah, I've watched a little bit here and there. Just with my, with my extremely busy vocation schedule, I can't, um, I don't really have evenings free mm. uh, to watch. But yeah, I'll check in here and there. I, I stepped out of a, a very important... Uh, vo- dinner event vo- last night. Dinner <laughs> uh, to check the score. <laughs> to check the store, the score. What is two two? I think. Uh, weren't they always winning two one? Maybe it was one one, know. but it was top of the third. Once one I of the kids woke up, it. and obviously Nikki's highly invested. That's her team. So as a sacrificial husband, mm. I was like, hey. She should be able to enjoy the game in peace. One of the kids was crying or whatever. So I went and took care of the child. And while I was rocking it, fell asleep myself. And then heard her come to bed and was like, did they win? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, good night. Great. <laughs> so. Because you're really in, you don't care about the Phillies. You're basically um, from Philadelphia. I mean, New Jersey and Philadelphia are like, Philadelphia is practically... Not practically. It is on like the coast of Pennsylvania. And the only yeah. thing that separates it is um, one of the rivers. I don't know. But like I, I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I'm from Fort Worth, even though Fort Worth is right next to Dallas. Actually, you do when you're like DFW. Yeah, but that's like saying what the greater tri-state area or something for you. Yeah, because it's not like Texas <laughs> where there's multiple states within like 10 right, minutes of right. each other. We've lost all our listeners. <laughs> it's like you're from the triangle. Are you really? <laughs> I'm from the northernmost vertex of the triangle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're back to our sacrament series. Mm-hmm. We've gone over so far baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, and confession. And I will have you know that I've had multiple people be like, yeah, I went to confession and they only said, I absolve you. And in my head, I thought, 
of Father Paul's words to the priest, just being like, hey, you shouldn't do that. I was like, maybe don't correct the priest in front of them. <laughs> or if you do, just mention Father Paul's name. Yeah, throw me under the bus. That's uh, right. I can take it. So we're going to our next sacrament. They really? Like multiple people? Multiple people, man. I'm so surprised by this. The here's, priest must here, be like, I must actually, be whispering the first part. I actually part. defended it. I don't think they say the first part out loud. Yeah. I think they're saying it while... The person is saying the act of contrition. Yeah. That and traditional thing that we go, talked about. Yeah. Male, you know, male mighty God, you know, I absolve you. That's just, you know. that's just mailing it in. Like last time we talked about how that's not invalid, but like right. you do have to say the whole thing. Right. And yeah, if, if they're not saying it under their breath and it, which, which is a very legitimate traditional thing. Um, then it's kind of like, man, it's not that many words. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard pre- priests say it very quickly, too. So, like, you can say, like, you know what I mean? I can uh, say it pretty quick. We're, we're not, it's not professing the Nicene Creed, like, every time you go in. You know what I mean? Like, we're not there that long. So, anyway, yeah. let's jump in. Um, We're going to hit up the anointing of the sick. Since we just did penance, we're going to jump from penance into the anointing of the sick because confession is included. In the anointing of the sick. It so, is. So let's jump in. Um, United States Catholic Conference of Bishops says this on their website. In the church's sacrament of anointing of the sick through the ministry of the priests, it is Jesus who touches the sick to heal them from their sin and sometimes even from physical ailment. He cures uh where signs of the arrival of the kingdom of God, the core message of his healing tells us of his plan to conquer sin and death by his dying and rising. The right of anointing of the sick tells us there is no need to wait until a person is at the point of death to receive the sacrament. A careful judgment about the serious nature of illness is sufficient. When the sacrament of anointing sick is given, the hoped for effect is that If it is God's will, the person will be physically healed of illness. But even if there is no physical healing, the primary effect of the sacrament is spiritual healing by which the sick person receives the Holy Spirit's gift of peace and courage to deal with the difficulties that accompany serious illness or the frailty of old age. And that's from United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think about all that to start off? Yeah, I kind of tuned out for a minute, but you know. <laughs> all right, end of podcast. <laughs> there we and go, and it's over. I mean, yeah. I pretty much just did your job. I summed it all up. Oh, right? it's great. Like it. So I think it's important to touch on a few aspects. I, I want to touch first on that. Who is this for? Because they put in the word, they said, the rite of anointing tells us there's no need to wait until the person is at the point of death to receive the Mm. sacrament. But a careful judgment about the serious nature of the illness is sufficient. And I think I've heard you say not to toss more priests under the bus because it just feels like we're doing that. (laughs) But that's people's lived experience, right? Before I've had major shoulder surgeries or things like that, I've received anointing of the sick. Is that what it's really intended for? I was a young Mm. person. I most likely, like 99%, I'm going to probably make it out of surgery. Was that a serious thing that I should have received it? Ready? Go. 
Yeah. No, I'm glad you started with this because it'll take me the rest of the episode to get there. <laughs> it's, it's a because there's a real debate on this. I think anyway. I at least for you <laughs> internally I, I, in your head. There's no, a real debate. No, I don't debate. I'm actually. This you're is, this you're is team one time serious, when, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm on team serious on this one. So, uh, so the teams are, uh, <laughs> one is like. Is the way that the sacrament has been looked at in the recent history of the church up until very recent? <laughs> That's a weird way to say. It. Tradi- <laughs> traditionally, in the let me say it like right, this: right. traditionally in the West. Okay. Uh, not talking about the East because um, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. Um, but traditionally in the West, the sacrament has been seen as like a sacrament that prepares you for death. Um, right. And so that's part of the reason that it has this uh, this kind of stigma or whatever of being like, you know, uh, call me later when the person is actually about to die. die. Yeah. Uh, and then the priest comes in. And that's why I think older people have this feeling more. But I know that the people will get scared sometimes when a priest will come into the hospital room because they think, Oh, if I'm being anointed, that means I'm really close to death. Right. Um, so it, it used to have that kind of, yeah, of, I don't know, baggage or just implication to it. Um, Which is why it probably mentions it here. No need to wait till the person is at the point of death. Uh, right. Like that used to be yeah. the emphasis. But I'm sure there's some cases where they probably missed the window and waited a little too long. Yeah. In the past. You, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Sure, like, so it's sure. like, I'm sure they're trying to strike a balance here of like, they shouldn't right. be, you have a common cold and you're getting anointing. Of oh the yeah. Sick. So you're, you're like, jumping, a, yeah. jumping ahead a little bit. So like, so oh, like that's, I'm ready. That's, that's the one side. And that's, that's kind of like the extreme of team serious um, is like th- thinking that this sacrament is for preparation for death. It should be given as close as possible uh, to death uh, for that reason. And the other side is this sacrament is a sacrament of healing. Why would we put any restrictions on uh, God's mercy and his healing? Mm. And there's a very strong camp uh, post-Vatican II that will use the sacrament like that and be very, very sort of liberal with, with giving out the sacrament. Um, and will I've heard many times from from priests like, well, I mean... Basically, uh, who am I to say that this isn't serious? Mm. Um, and uh, who, who am I to say that, like, you know, the sacrament wouldn't be effective here? Better to give it than not give it. So that's right. the other t- side. I don't know. Team team healing. <laughs> you got team serious <laughs> and team healing. Those um, are the two teams. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so I'm I'm more on the side of team serious because I think that's the way the documents of the church still read. Like they're trying to overcorrect mm. against um, waiting to the point of death, and you hear that even in the in the catechism, right? Uh, that Joey read. Um, but that's, that, that's but me. I still think that <laughs> yeah, the prodigal. Um, but I still think that's that that's really what the sacrament's about. That's the matter of the sacrament is. Okay is for cases where the illness puts you into some sort of danger of death because the illness itself is 
has that gravity and it yeah. can be it can be kind of a remote danger of death like a cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. um like can be you know pretty remote six years ten years or something but mm-hmm. we know that like cancer contains within it the the power to to, to kill it's mm-hmm. it's it's a serious thing right um so that's the way I've started to treat it um, as a priest, mm-hmm. recognizing that I can't make a, a diagnosis the mm-hmm. way a doctor would, right. um, and not wanting to um, to be overly restrictive with the sacrament, but still wanting to respect that this is about right. serious illnesses, yeah. is often I'll, I'll start when it seems like it's, a, it's not exactly a clear case. Yeah. Um, I'll start by asking like, well, this is what the church teaches. It teaches that this is for something that's serious. It also uses the word grave sometimes. Would you consider what you have to be a serious illness or a grave illness? And so I'll just ask the person to like self-diagnose. Yeah. Um, and I find that's a helpful starting point. Mm-hmm. Then the other the other sort of distinction I want to make with this is like it's not about just being put into a situation that is dangerous. Okay. It's about the illness itself illness or old age the catechism and canon law say old age as well Um, because you never really know right yeah um and so like when people go into surgery and this is where i'm going to say something that that i i think i'm in the minority of priests on this right it makes a lot of sense to me so i'm very comfortable being in the minority here but like like, I don't think many priests act like this. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm just saying, like, when I learned this distinction, it made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people will get anointed before they go into surgery, especially if the surgery uh, involves general anesthesia. Okay. Um, because there's there's a risk when, right. you, when you go under uh, with general anesthesia. Um, but that risk comes from an external cause. Not from the illness itself. The illness is the occasion, but the risk itself is because of the anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's much more like the risk of going into battle or the risk of getting on an airplane. Um, it's an external risk. The okay. risk of jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. Like you wouldn't get anointed before those things. The appropriate way to prepare before those things is to go to confession. Um, and so I think that's true also of going into surgery. If the surgery is not for the sake of, or like caused by the occasion of a serious illness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You with me? So like, so like it can just feel there's so many nuances, right? Like what if you also have high blood pressure and then, then that increases this aspect of a surgery. And so that's something within a sickness, right? Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like, if the high blush, high blood pressure is a serious thing, then you can get anointed because of that. Uh, going into to heart surgery because you have high blood pressure and, and cholesterol and stuff like that, like, you would you would get anointed before you go into heart surgery, but not because of the surgery, because of the illness that led to the surgery. The heart itself. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. but if you're yeah, going yeah. in for, for an MCL or an ACL surgery like i that's that's where i would say i don't i don't really think that's what anointing is for so have you told someone no 
I have explained it in a really long way like I'm doing right now. And then people came around to see my point of view. Um, and like I said, I, I found so, it. it, so it, it not works. if they went to someone else. We're not, we're not no, also I'm not saying, saying it's, it's not invalid or something. They went no, to someone else. No, I'm not ready to it's say just, that. <laughs> um, not ready yet <laughs> to declare. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm like the arbiter of, right, of right, validity right, 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 right. on things like this. But just saying this is how I approach it. This I would how, ask somebody. This is how you personally approach it within I'd, your priesthood. I would say like. This does have to do with death right. um, and preparation for death. Um, the serious illness is the the sort of the matter of of the sacrament, or not the matter, but whatever the occasion. Um, and uh, it may be an opportune time um, now that you're going into surgery. But uh, what would you consider this to be? Uh, and that that seems to be a, a reasonably pastoral approach, where I can like catechize a bit, mm-hmm. but also, like, I don't know, give, give the person some ownership of it, right? Because um, yeah. for for you though, like in that situation, you said a lot of people come around, and they're like, oh, I can see that, right? Um, what if one person's like, no. I still really do. Like, w- would you would you go ahead? Depends on the circumstances. Okay. Yeah. Like, if yeah, it's yeah. a legitimate gray case where it's like, you know, I can see it. I yeah. can see the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it also depends on kind of where the person was coming from. Got it. Um, but, but, like. But you're also not necessarily just advocating for, though, people walking around with um, any type of illness going but okay let me sorry let me back up let's use the example of something that i see really running rampant in our society and i believe it's truly happening um but obviously the rise the drastic rise in anxiety and depression which can be very serious sure Uh, we can have very serious side effects of that um people that go down a path that's very dark and deep um is something like that open for anointing of the sick? Yeah. So the, I mean, I feel yeah. The catechism and yeah. So the three sources, right, are the catechism, canon law, and the ritual book itself. Okay. And they all say very similar things, but in a slightly different way. Uh, they were all written at different times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important. Uh, normally, the thing that's written later uh, has more clarity to it. Okay. Uh, with with these kind of of church documents um and they all if, if i remember correctly they they do make a point of saying like we're not just talking about physical illness like mental illness got it is here um it's it's less easy to see a sort of remote connection with um with death when you're talking about a chronic mental illness um but i think you can legitimately call things uh serious or grave illnesses when they like impair someone's normal normal mm-hmm. function I, I don't want to take that as a criterion and push it too far because then you could say well also you know like my sprained ankle um like right, impairs right. my normal function so I'm, I'm not saying that's the only factor but yeah but like yeah no I'm, I'm certainly open to that i think that's the mind of the church okay. um is to recognize like the severity of um of mental illnesses as as real illnesses um and so so uh I keep saying matter, but it matter yeah. for the sacrament. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. But 
Well, we talk about but, every sacrament having like form and matter, right? Yeah, but the it's matter. Not, right, right, for right. This right. Is, I'm, no, no, no. I was sorry. I was yeah. transitioning to the form oh, okay. and matter. <laughs> Um, Sorry, so, ruin that transition. Yeah, definitely botch that transition. This is why we should practice. Things. I haven't had enough water today. So yeah, I'm you're, still kinda... you're only at the uh, 1 p.m. hour of your uh, uh, 3,500 milliliters of water. So, I love this water bottle so much. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one gallon. How, how many comments do you get on a daily basis? Many. Many. Yeah, it's a talking wanna, point. I just want to see you walk into the diocese with that. I brought it in yesterday. And I, w- I would have loved to be there. Yeah. No, I'd, I love it. And it it keeps me hydrated. I drink a lot more water when I carry this thing around. Yep. Best you, bet you have to use the restroom a lot <laughs> I more, Also, too. that's a constant <laughs> problem, but worth All it. All right. Anyway. So, okay, let's, let's transition. <laughs> To uh, the topic of a form and matter within this sacrament, okay? We're going to talk about three more things. We're going to talk about form and matter. We're going to talk about where it came from, like what are the scriptural roots and like mm. the background of where it came from. And then we'll jump into, um, last but not least, uh, just hopefully us, you know, connecting all the dots and making sense of all of it. So form and matter. Uh, so the form within this is what father is it the you have the form of obviously the forgiveness of sins within the sacrament of uh, confession which is in it but that's not the full form because there are prayers laying over of hands anointing the reason it's called anointing of the sick we would take it there is chrism sacred oil something that is used within the sacrament if able yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so take us through the sacrament. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, the ritual book for the sacrament is actually I, I initially found it very frustrating <laughs> as a priest because <laughs> I didn't think it was really clear and you have to flip a lot. It's a right. small booklet, like it's not unwieldy, but you have to flip all the time. Um, but once I got used to it, I kind of I I see why it is the way it is. Okay. It's it's meant to be very very adaptable, recognizing that like. The times when you're going to anoint people are normally crisis situations. Um, even if someone is stable, it's still not like a good situation. There's so many factors like where are you? Is it a hospital room or is it at a home and hospice? Mm. Like what is the the sort of the faith of the people who are in the room with you? Mm-hmm. Are they able to participate? Are they do, right. they do they want you just to get out of there? Are you giving an anointing in the middle of the street after a car crash or in an right. ER when the, the doctors, like everybody's going crazy and the, they'll let a priest in there. Uh, but you have like, you've got your 10 seconds to sort of step in yeah. and give the sacrament and then back off. So like the form of the sacrament is highly adaptable. Got it. Uh, but the essential form of the sacrament is, is very simple. And it, it's, it's like, it's like the words of this is my body this is my blood like that's the essential form of the eucharist i absolve you from your sins that's the essential form of penance and it's the same with the sacrament of of anointing that you have like a very short formula of words got it uh give it to us yeah i anoint you (laughs) are you kidding me right now no, I'm not. What can't you I, type this up? As, like, no, it's amazing. Up? Like I used to have this I, I would give anointing so much. And since parish life, I really haven't 
given an anointing and it slipped out of my mind. Oh my goodness. I, I remember confirmation more quickly, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's not the order of blessing for... No, it's, it's anointing. This, air and all. This, is, this is very embarrassing. Live over the airwaves. <laughs> Live that we can edit, <laughs> re-record, or stop. But we're not going to because we yeah. love people. Let's, and our, let's take some calls we're, we're while that, we're waiting. <laughs> we're that. Well, there was a question in it, and maybe, maybe we want to do that. Why we typed this up is, is to say, would you ever... Like, is this something that can happen or should happen within like a week? Like, like, so say you have someone actively, uh, the repeating, actively dying, right? They're in hospice care, but you don't know how long, right? Um, what is there a general threshold of? Ah, uh, it's been a week. It's been two weeks. It's been a month. We should re-anoint this person. Yeah. Um, what, what, what's the threshold line for you? I, and I'm not saying it's the same for everyone. But. Yeah, no, it's not the same for everybody. So you're allowed to anoint again when the illness changes. Um, okay. And like it can change in gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can oh, become so not, more we're not serious. not just changing like, yeah. It, it's the, not like secondary infection. Right, right, right. Like right. I, I had the flu, the flu and now I've got a sinus infection. Right. It's a different thing. Um, like. If both of those were life threatening, you could do that. Um, but kind of but, an example of somebody's also like, in the hospital and they take a turn for the worst. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. So so it's again kind of this judgment call where you can you can kind of ask the person like like hey I'm not I'm not supposed to give this sacrament again unless like there has been been a real change like a turn for the worst. Would you say that there has been? Because the thing is like. Both that and and sort of the the caution against giving the sacrament too liberally, like mm-hmm. both of those, I think are to to hone in on like what the sacrament is, but not to treat it like like right. magic somehow. Right. Like yeah, the more yeah, yeah, the more yeah. times I get this, the better. Right. Um. But like, no, I've received this, and so yeah i haven't even talked about like what the sacrament does on a spiritual level but like it takes our sufferings and it unites us with christ and his suffering Mm -hmm. so those sufferings become meaningful right um like it also can lead to physical healing but But that's not the primary but the spiritual and and we shouldn't doubt that it does like right that that's a lack of faith on our part but that's not an every time effect of it that's that's a like if God wants to uh, bring about physical healing um, according to his own providence and wisdom, he often like does that so that he can bring about deeper faith in those who are around, like with miracles or something like that. Um, but the, the primary purpose isn't physical healing. It's, it's spiritual healing, um, but in particular the kind of spiritual healing that like unites our sufferings to those of Christ. Um, so you don't want to move on from that too quickly and be like, right. well, yeah, I got it last week, but it's already wearing off. I can feel it. Um, time to time to just top it up. Like that's that's not really what it what it is. But it is appropriate right. if like the illness changes even in gravity such that you would say like it's a, a turn for the worse. Okay, I finally, I can't believe I forgot that. Was yeah. it through this anointing? Yeah, through this holy anointing, may the Lord in his love and mercy help you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
May the Lord who frees you from sin save you and raise you up. Amen. And both times you're anointing, you start by anointing the forehead mm. with the holy oil. And um, then the hands. And then the hands. And so as you're saying, the first thing uh, through this holy anointing, may the Lord in his love and mercy help you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's when you're anointing the forehead. Um, it. it doesn't have to be this way for validity, but like that's normally what's done and I think it's very appropriate and then you're doing the hands if you can't reach the hands or if they're not available for some reason like somebody with really severe burns you just make use of like whatever you can and if if for some reason it's so serious that like you can't actually touch them then you can use an instrument so you can use like a q-tip or something with the oil on the end um but yeah those two prayers are the essential form of the, uh, so it could be done in that emergency situation. Like you're talking about in a hospital, you got your like 15 seconds or whatever as a priest, people are, are working on this person could be done without confession. It's still considered an anointing of the sick. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about confession and its role. Okay. Um, so in the fuller versions of the right, the ones that are done more is like, you know, there's readings, there's all this stuff. You can be singing, you can get candles and just like, like, no, like, like <laughs> no, not, no, not I like know what you're saying. Aromatic, like, like yeah, liturgical yeah, yeah. candles. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, in the, the, the really full version of it, like you would start with confession. Uh, you would do the anointing of the sick and then you would receive communion. Uh, especially if it's extreme unction, if someone, right. if this is like the end of someone's life. Right. Um, but, uh, but you don't have to go to confession to receive the sacrament of anointing. That being said, there's a common misunderstanding. I want to, I want to clear up right now, clear the air, clear the air. Um, a lot of people will say, and maybe some priests also, uh, will say that the sacrament of anointing forgives mortal sins. That's not exactly true. Um, it's a sacrament that is a sacrament of the living. So it is a sacrament that needs to be given to someone while they are in the state of spiritual life, like the Eucharist. It's a sacrament we should not receive when we're in the state of mortal sin. If we are, we go to confession first, then you receive anointing. It's not just like, like a way around going to confession. Right. That being said, and this is where the misunderstanding comes in. If someone is unconscious, and right. unable to go to confession. Um, this is a place where like the spiritual treasury and the mercy of, of God through his sacraments like supplies. Yeah. Um, and so like as, as long as the person has not indicated any sort of just like obstinate refusal right. of God's mercy or the sacraments are just like before they say go into a coma, just like, by the way, if any priest comes around, I don't want any of that stuff. Right. Like if, if they say you kind of have to respect it, you can still pray for him, but I don't know if I can give someone the sacrament if like if they asked for it. Right. Um, or asked not Yeah, to asked, it. asked yeah, against yeah, yeah. it. Um, but if it's, if someone is Catholic, right, like they've been baptized, mm-hmm. um, they are a member of the Catholic Church. Yeah, even if they've fallen away or whatever. Yeah, even if they've fallen like, away. Like... Uh, you sort of the um, the assumption is that they would want the sacrament and they would want God's mercy, um, and the church carries that assumption all the way to the point of like, you know, even if they have mortal sin on their soul, this is a place where God's mercy 
uh, acts and can forgive it outside the sacrament of confession. There's mm-hmm. sort of like an implied right. confession happening, right? Uh, even if they can't. So I want to I want to add one more thing on that before we we move to great to the next um, before we transition, <laughs> which we also saying. just little <laughs> FYI, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. We never fully answered. Like the matter is the ho- the holy oil. Correct? Oh yeah, the matter okay. is the oil. The form is the words. Got it. Just wanted to <laughs> toss that out in case somebody was Clear like, "Wait, what was the matter?" Okay, so go ahead. One more thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So when the sacrament of anointing of the sick is given as extreme unction, like preparing for death, this break that is, down for somebody who doesn't know. Yeah, this person like, is dying. Okay, so there's a there's a there's a form of it in the book um, where it's like this person is on their deathbed. Um, death is imminent, not like in a few minutes, but in a few days. Um, and so this is like a pretty definitive sacramental preparation. Um, so with that, uh, if they're able, they would go to confession, then they would receive anointing of the sick, and then they would receive the Eucharist, which is given as viaticum, uh, which is, uh, sort of like, that's, that's this like bread for the spiritual bread for the journey kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so in those situations, when someone is dying uh, and is close to death, the church also permits us to, to say this prayer, which together with the anointing of the sick, I have on a little card in my wallet, just in <laughs> case I forget it. Um, Why didn't you just bust this out right now? Because my wallet's kind of hard to get to when I'm wearing the cassock. cassock. I'm sitting right. in a chair. It's all this stuff. Good anyway. thing no one was in danger of dying. <laughs> like, sorry, my wallet's in my pocket. No, but I have this like laminated card. I've had my wallet. It's all beat up and stuff. But pretty smart. Uh, the prayer that you can give is called the apostolic pardon, and it's an incredible prayer. Like, a- it's any shot. priest can give it. Yeah, you any any priest can give it. Oh, because it's called apostolic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's not just like reserved to a bishop or bishop, yeah. successor of the apostles. Okay. Um, no, any priest can give it. And it's it's a prayer that like sort of knocked me over when I first came across it. Mm. Like I didn't know. I, I don't know why you would ever doubt God's mercy and the fullness of it. But just like it's so strong. This is the way the, the prayer goes. I'm not obviously intending to, to confer this yeah. blessing on anybody. Uh, but the prayer is, by the authority which the apostolic see has given me, I grant you a full pardon and remission of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's so shocking to me because like, that's, that's saying not just the pardon of sins, which we're very familiar with through confession, but a right. full remission of temporal punishment is what that means. Like, It means that if somebody receives this, um, what the church is saying is that they don't go to purgatory. Right. Like there's nothing more to purify. Right. They've, they've been fully purified in this last moment of their life. Yeah. Um, by this like great treasure, uh, that the Lord has given, uh, to his church to, to hand out. And it's, it's not again, like I know, I know I'm always saying this stuff isn't magic, but it's really not like it requires faith. Um, but if you have faith, um, but that is only used in the case where someone this is used is when not... someone's about to die. Okay. Yeah. So why not you? Someone's about to die and they've received the full thing. What you're saying? Yeah. Like confession, viaticum, 
like yeah. everything. Yeah. Okay. So you can't just do that though. Like you're in the hospital in that situation. That's not what it's oh, intended no. for. No, like this is absolutely intended for, you know, someone's in a car crash and they're like, you're waiting for the, the ambulance to get there mm-hmm. and like they're dying right mm-hmm. there. Um, like in that case, if, if they're Catholic, you're supposed to give them anointing of the sick in the shortest possible form. Just the two prayers I said. Yep. And then the apostolic pardon. Got it. Um, so, okay. So that was my question. It doesn't have to be in the whole form like no, you no, just no. said of like No, this is like emergency that, use. Yeah, emergency use. Yeah. Mind me asking how many times you prayed that prayer? Uh, many. Many? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Despite my inability to come up with the form of the sacrament off the top of my hey, head. You would guess I've you done, haven't done it that much based on I've the done, fact that you've not. I've done a ton of anointings in six years of priesthood. Um, being here at St. Anne, like huge parish, but also being here during COVID and being on the COVID team. Like That's I've seen right. a lot of people who are dying uh, and given the sacraments to a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a lot of them are, are in like end of life situation. And wow. I always give the apostolic pardon in those situations. The only time you don't like when you're giving anointing to the sick uh, and say like someone has just been diagnosed with with terminal cancer, but it's also like they're they're they seem very healthy. Yeah, like you wouldn't give apostolic pardon right then. Right, uh, you would anoint them though. Right. Um, Death is imminent yeah. in the apostolic pardon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. All right, let's talk about for a few minutes where this comes from. Obviously, we see Jesus healing people and um, anointing people all throughout the Gospels, but I would guess that this has even deeper tradition or roots in the Old Testament, Father Paul. Yeah, Old <laughs> Testament. I'm not sure if I have anything Old Testament off the top of my head. Um, I mean, it's in the Jewish tradition, right, though, of anointings and like, like, well, obviously, because like we hear it in one of the passion narratives of like the woman breaking the alabaster jar and anointing. Like the Lord, oh, like, like, like the, how the, the, oil is, yeah. like how you oil is used for anointing within yeah. like Jewish no. customs. Yeah. That's, that's just antiquity in general. I'm not, maybe I'm, maybe I'm forgetting something, but nothing like specifically Jewish is coming to mind okay. with anointings. That so isn't more also an antiquity. We would say um, it's, we're, we're drawing from all those cases of the new Testament where Jesus is first always healing the sin yeah. Re- re- removal of the sin and then saying like go your faith has saved you like you're healed um which always is an important part we're always like emphasizing that with our children with our youth with our adults in formation and catechesis that it's it's always about the forgiveness of sins number one yeah and that if like you said, I liked how you said it because I do think a lot of Catholics say, yeah, but that other like miracle healing, that's not going to happen. I would love for us to have a culture that we do believe like that physical ha- healing will happen. Right. Um, doesn't take away the emphasis that we need to have on like, no, but the point is, you know, the removal of sin. But yeah. I wish we were in a culture of what, what do you think holds us back? Oh, I think, I think probably for a lot of people is they don't want to feel foolish. Um, like in, cause there is something kind of childlike about believing that like 
God can do something miraculous. Mm. Um, it, it's much easier to keep it as sort of this like he works invisibly kind of thing. But whenever you get it, we're, we're I don't know, we're very skeptical. Uh, mm-hmm. um, we're very scientifically minded, and I, I certainly am. Um, right. And and those are I think those are good things, uh, but they do put up a barrier towards some more kind of like childlike faith. Like with God, all things are possible. Like mm-hmm. why couldn't He He heal me or heal the person I'm praying for? And um, and I I have seen God do tremendous things, not just spiritual healings, but like tremendous physical things. Mm. Um, and. I don't know of another way to explain them right. uh, than that, like God really does work in that way. But I, so I, I think people don't want to presume sometimes and then be disappointed. Right. Um, but they also might not want to seem uh, foolish mm-hmm. um, or childish, maybe. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of. Um physical healings as well, being involved with the charismatic, you know, movement and seeing people prayed with, prayed over different things. Um, but are you talking, you've also seen ones as a result from anointing of the sick. Have you heard of physical healings? Uh, I've heard other priests talk about that. I've never seen that myself, but I, I have seen, seen physical healing through prayer before. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so one of the major texts that the church goes back to in, in the New Testament for this, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll think of something from the Old Testament, it's just nothing's really coming. Um, but it at the... But you couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've already discussed uh, <laughs> that despite having had a half gallon of water, yeah, I'm still yeah, dehydrated. Exactly, today. go ahead. Um, so this is the instruction at the beginning of the rite, uh, mm. The, the thing that's read is kind of an introductory right. sort of prayer and instruction. Um, this is in the full context, like that you would, like not in an emergency situation. Yeah, not yeah, yeah, in, yeah. not in a in an urgent situation, Got but it. in any other situation. Okay. Uh, uh, I would say this. My dear friends, we are gathered here in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is present among us. As the Gospels relate, the sick came to him for healing. So it's already sort of pushing towards towards faith that like, Jesus does heal a ton of people. It's mm-hmm. not just spiritual healing. Yep. Um, moreover, he loves us so much that he died for our sake. Okay, so that's also pushing to like to reconcile us with God. Yep. So you get the physical and the spiritual. Through the apostle James, he has commanded us, and then this is from James 5, and this is the, the really important New Testament passage for the sacrament. Through the apostle James, he has commanded us, are there any who are sick among you let them send for the priests of the church mm. and let the priests pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick persons and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed any sins, their sins will be forgiven them. That's all from the letter of James from James five. Like that's not a well-known passage for some reason amongst Catholics, but like, right. like it's basically just describing the sacrament. Right. Um, if anybody's sick, have them call a priest. The priest will pray over them, will anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save them. And if the Lord and the Lord will raise them up, and if they've committed any sins, their sins will be forgiven them. And then the instruction ends with, 
Let us therefore commend our sick brother or sister to the grace and power of Christ that he may save him or her and raise him or her up. There's, this is kind of moving from the you know, seriousness of the sacrament to just something silly, but like there are so many um, sort of him, hers yeah. <laughs> in this. Um, and uh, you do have to be careful that you're paying attention as a priest <laughs> to what you're doing. <laughs> Um, and, uh, sometimes like you don't know the name of the person, mm. uh, but sometimes you should know the name and you just forgot. <laughs> and so you're like, and so her. when, when it goes, let us therefore commend our sick brother, uh, Joe <laughs> to the grace and power of Christ that he may save him. And trace him up. like it's <laughs> him. <laughs> you do, him. You, you do have to to pay attention as you're going through. Anyway, just kind of silly. Love um, it. But yeah, James five, James, James 5, five fourteen to fifteen. That's a. Uh, it's not good to proof text, mm-hmm. um, with the scriptures, right. which which is often like taking a passage out of context to use it to prove some argument. Um, I don't think this is a proof text. It just really seems to like describe. <laughs> what's happening what to do <laughs> um, yeah. and so like that's a major foundation of uh this as a sacrament um that's always been part of the church's practice um do you feel um or a- anything else times. anything else you want to add close close out um yeah i would i would say don't let my uh my hemming and hawing over like who should go to the sacrament and stuff like that dissuade you from asking. Um, and if you've received the sacrament before and, and I said something that's like, uh, I, I would have told you to go to confession instead. Right. Um, cause it's more like jumping out of a plane <laughs> than, than being on a sick bed. Um, like, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to to help form people's consciences for the future, but yeah. not make them feel regret about the past for sure uh, in any way. For um, sure. And so, yeah, when when in doubt, ask for the sacrament. Yeah. Um, and the priest will be able to help you. The serenity might say something different than me, but I don't know. It's probably okay. <laughs> so what you're saying is, if I have a hurt finger. <laughs> Go ahead, get that. If you need anointing. the sacrament, don't go to a vocation director don't. who hasn't been in parish ministry and forgot the formula. See, he won't <laughs> even be able to help you out. So, oh man, uh, what what sacraments next? We're coming up to my sacrament, marriage. Yeah, let's do it's a about time. sacred orders first, right? Yeah, yeah, probably leave <laughs> it for last. So, uh, hope to join us next time. Uh, submit any of those questions you have, prodigal and priest, gmail.com, St. Anne Parish. Dot org slash PTP behalf of Joey Scancella, Father Paul Becker. We want to say take care. God bless. <laughs>